Hello, Pulse Check listeners. This is Dan Diamond. And welcome back to our special Pulse Check series on the coronavirus outbreak in the Trump administration and the incoming Biden administration's response. Today, I'm in conversation with my friend and colleague, Jeremy Siegel, from our Daily Dispatch podcast. And what we're discussing is the split-screen view of President Trump and President-elect Biden's responses to the pandemic and what it's like covering two presidents and a global health crisis at once. Here's our conversation. Uh, man, um, two presidents, basically, one massive global pandemic. Uh, I feel like this would all be a lot easier for you to cover if there were just two Dan Diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel every day like I could use an extra, extra diamond, diamond or two. Or two. Um, why, why, why settle, settle at one? Like, like, give me like, like five. I feel like this is a movie plot. Yeah, to happen. Or, <laughs> wasn't there like a Michael Keaton movie in, in this vein? Mul- multiplicity, I think, is what it was called. See, what we did was we made a copy from two. And you know, how sometimes you make a copy of a copy. It's not quite as sharp as well the original. Well, that's kind of what happened. We'll, we'll reach out to him and get him to uh, play the part of Dan Diamond in this Hollywood blockbuster that's that's coming. He would not have been my first choice for me, but I really feel like you can't choose. Uh, who would play you? Who would play you in the Hollywood movie? Who who would play me? All I need is a voice. Um, <laughs> let's go with like Morgan Freeman, maybe. After being perched atop their mother's feet for a thousand paces, the chick takes his first steps alone. I think I think you could pull off the uh, the Jeremy Siegel voice. <laughs> this year, to me, you have been a little bit like Scarlett Johansson in her. I mean, the DNA of who I am is based on the millions of personalities of all the programmers who wrote me. That's really weird. Is that weird? Do you think I'm weird? The disembodied voice that I hear every so often telling me to do things like turn on my microphone and uh, <laughs> record some copy. So I, I can see it. I think uh, this this will be the first and only time I'll I'll be compared to uh, Scarlett Johansson in my life. So at least I have that one. <laughs> um, so to to get into these two worlds that sadly only one of you is reporting on, um, we'll start with President Trump, the current White House. What are President Trump and his team doing right now? Well, I think if you want to know what President Trump is doing right now, you got to look at his Twitter feed because he's pretty transparent <laughs> about what he's focused on, which is mostly combating the election, questioning the results, insinuating fraud when there has really been no sign of it on a major scale, nothing that would overturn the election. Um, in fact, virtually no fraud uh, that, that's meaningful at all. So that's where the president largely is. And he's made a number of odd media appearances, whether rushing out quickly to tout the stock market hitting a new level. Uh, The stock market's just broken 30,000, never been broken, that number. Wasn't even a press conference because the press didn't get to ask any questions. It was more of a quick statement. That's a sacred number, 30,000. Nobody thought they'd ever see it. The president made some brief appearances around Thanksgiving, but some of those degraded into fighting with reporters. Between you people, don't ask, don't talk to me that way. You're just a you're just a lightweight. Don't talk to me that way. Don't talk to I'm the president of the United States. Don't ever talk to the president that way. But I think you have to separate the president from his team. At a lower level, senior officials like Alex Azar, the health secretary, or even Mark Meadows, Trump's chief of staff, they are pushing on coronavirus issues. We wrote a story 
this week, uh, my colleagues Adam Cancran, Sarah Overmall, and me, on the frustrations that the vaccine isn't coming even faster. So there are people who are deeply involved in COVID and other policy priorities. The real shame is that the president isn't using his bully pulpit to go out and warn Americans every single day about the pandemic and urge his supporters to take the right steps to protect themselves. He's using his bully pulpit to try and shade how people think about the election. So on the other hand, you have President-elect Joe Biden, who is going out there and warning Americans about the pandemic. Things are going to get much tougher before they get easier. And that requires sparing no effort to fight COVID. What are Biden and his team doing right now? Biden himself is making very carefully scripted appearances. In my mind, Jeremy, it's the opposite of what President Trump is doing. We've had years and years of unscripted access to Trump on Twitter in press scrums. He'll be walking somewhere. He'll stop and argue with reporters. The upside of that is we got a sense quite often what the president was thinking, saying, doing. We're not going to get that with Biden the same way. It is being filtered very deliberately to the press. On his lower level, below him, his team is currently vetting hundreds, if not thousands of people for administration jobs. They're looking to fill some very big jobs this month. We expect potentially a nomination for HHS secretary. But that's where the Biden team's energy is largely focused on getting people into place and trying to get ready to hit the ground running in January. Last week, President Trump came as close as we've seen him so far to actually conceding the election. And his head of the General Services Administration finally signed off on the official presidential transition, letting Biden and his team access resources and coordinate with the White House and more ahead of when they're going to take office in January. Do you think we're seeing more coordination between these two teams on coronavirus as a result of that step? Coordination probably oversells what's actually happening. Is there access that wasn't available before? Absolutely. I was not asked about this, but uh, I do want to let you know that consistent with the GSA administrator's ascertainment yesterday, uh, last night, Our top career official, Rear Admiral Schwartz, who has been leading our transition planning efforts, was last night uh, in communication with the Biden transition team. Secretary Azar, the health chief, said within hours of that GSA determination that he was going to make health officials available. Uh, We are immediately getting them all of the pre-prepared transition briefing materials. Uh, We uh, will ensure coordinated briefings with them to ensure they're getting whatever information that they feel they need. And that did lead to Biden's team finally getting access to resources, to materials. I wrote a story last week about the Biden team finally getting an Operation Warp Speed briefing. That's the effort that the Trump administration started that will likely get handed over in January to Team Biden. But the effort to rush coronavirus vaccines, rush coronavirus treatments to market. Meanwhile, agency review teams, also known as ARTS, these are the teams that are going into the health department, the defense department, the treasury, trying to figure out what work needs to be done to either continue policies, reverse Trump policies, repair problems. Those teams are starting their meetings Think of it almost as like the external consultant being hired to vet your company. They're going around and talking to people, and some of the people they're talking to may be very excited that they're there, 
uh, because they're hoping for changes under Biden. Other people who have been working on things the past couple of years for Trump and don't want to see those policies go away. The agency review team is not a welcome sight. So it sounds like we, in effect, have sort of two presidents working on this pandemic right now, one of them not really saying much about it, one of them saying more, and then their teams kind of working together on all of this behind the scenes. I mean, I got to ask, like, if this were any other president than President Trump, who, you know, hasn't followed precedent, who's who's been a pretty unusual president in the grand scheme of things, if it were any other president, how do you think this situation would be playing out right now with the pandemic? Well, we don't have to go to a hypothetical. I was looking this morning at a story in The New York Times from 12 years ago, around this time, the end of November 2008. Barack Obama was the president-elect He had just run a campaign where he repudiated George W. Bush. George W. Bush was enemy number one to Obama and and his voters. And yet, the headline in the New York Times, Obama and Bush working to calm volatile market. The two teams, the White House team and the incoming team, were addressing the economic crisis together. It was important for them to send a shared message, to be seen as working hand in hand, And that is not what is happening here. While there are some coordination efforts behind the scenes, it's very different than having this joint front. And you can trace a lot of that back to President Trump and how he has put a stamp on everything that his administration has done and the loyalists he has who are determined not to be helpful, frankly. Is there any danger to this, like having these different messages, having these different teams, having this lack of coordination? Does this lead to, say, like confused messaging and confusion for Americans or have any like tangible effect on when we might get a vaccine? That's a really big question. So I want to take it in parts. I think that there is risk to Americans, as there has been the past year during COVID, that we're not all getting the same message on what's happening with the pandemic. If you watch Fox News you were told more reassuring things about the pandemic than if you watched MSNBC. And a lot of the breakdown along partisan lines can be traced back to what President Trump, what Democrats were saying, and what their followers ended up hearing. So I'm worried about that just from a public health perspective, that we won't all be singing from the same uh, hymn book, that we'll have different understandings based on what political alignment Americans slot themselves into. Policy-wise, there is going to be continuity, I think, on the big things like vaccine rollout. Operation Warp Speed is largely staffed by career civil servants. Most likely, the Biden team will inherit that in the next month and a half and just pick up where the Trump team left off. There is the possibility that some of the high-profile contractors who the Trump team brought in Monsef Slawi, the uh, somewhat controversial scientific advisor who has helped steer Operation Warp Speed, he told our colleague Zach Brennan that he might not stay past the end of this year or past the beginning of next year, but the effort itself will probably be passed over. But politically, I, I do think we're going to see a lot of risk here. We've already seen a lot of political messaging since the election. Every day that the Trump administration didn't make its experts available, that President Trump refused to concede, Joe Biden's advisors, his advocates, people like Hillary Clinton, were taking to the media and saying, lives are being lost because we're not able to get up to speed 
on what the Trump team is doing on COVID. Now, to some extent, I think that was overblown. I'm, I'm not sure how much it matters if Biden's advisors didn't know on November 10th or November 15th what the White House was doing on COVID. But I, I could see everyday passing making the risk even more severe. The Biden team wants to hit the ground running, and you need to have weeks, months of briefings to really understand what decisions need to be made. So days do matter. But I, I don't think it mattered quite as much as the Biden team was portraying it as. And the way I see it as a Politico reporter, Jeremy, is there's already jockeying around who is going to own the political pain of the pandemic. The Biden team very much does not want to own that until January. And the more that they can put on the Trump administration, and rightly so in that the Biden team isn't making the big decisions right now, the more that Joe Biden and his allies think they'll be able to step in and succeed politically if they're seen as riding to the rescue. We were joking earlier about how it would be nice to have multiple Dan Diamonds to cover all this. But I mean, it has to actually be exhausting covering all this, right? Like just hearing you talking about two teams, like, you know, the, these are two White Houses, basically, that you're having to cover, two super different White Houses, one that you've spent a lot of time covering, one that you're just getting to know. And on top of that, like a massive global pandemic. What is it like for you as a health reporter trying to juggle this split screen view of the biggest health crisis in the nation's history? It's a very weird time. I feel like I have two brains, the Trump brain and the Biden brain. And the Trump brain kind of knows where to go, who to ask, what to what to write about. The Biden brain is, is still learning and developing. And, and that doesn't even include all the stories that I said I would do in 2020, and I'm running out of time to do them and have nothing to do with Trump or Biden. So I'm trying to find a way to fit those in, too. But there, there is still a Trump team that, at this point, is very unintentionally transparent. And what I mean by that is even if the White House decries the fake news, doesn't want to give a statement for a story, at this point, there are people I know I can go to who might give me the behind-the-scenes take on, on what's happened. Uh, the fact that the exit is in sight for a lot of these officials means some of them are more willing to talk than ever before. And it makes covering the COVID issues at the White House, in some ways, much easier than covering what the Biden team is doing. That team is trying to come in on its best behavior. There are people that are working with Joe Biden who I have talked to for years. Some of them talk to me all year very willing to complain about the president and all the things that Trump was getting wrong on COVID. Now that they're in position to make some changes, a lot of them don't want to talk. <laughs> and and they, they, they don't want to spill on what Biden is doing. And I think a lot of reporters across Washington are experiencing this phenomenon. Now, that's not universally true, and I do think that will change over time. But it does lend itself to a weird reversal of the Biden folks are the ones who are being more standoffish with the media. Yes, they're making formal scripted media appearances, but it's harder to get some information from them than it is from the Trump folks at this point. All right, that is our show for this week. I'm Dan Diamond, and my thanks to my colleague Jeremy Siegel for joining me as always. Jenny Ament is our senior producer, and Irene Noguchi is our executive producer. To stay up on the latest on the pandemic, sign up for Politico Pulse 
which I co-author with Adam Kankren from Politico's health team every morning. Also, be sure to subscribe to Politico Pulse Check on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, be sure to check out our other shows, including our newest podcast, Global Translations. This week's episode of Global Translations zooms in on one single mineral, cobalt, which is proving key to the future of green energy, defense, and high-tech manufacturing. Thanks so much for listening. Please continue to stay safe. Vaccines are coming soon. And we'll be back with you again next week.